We're getting ready for part four of our Searching for Answers series. It's a way of refresher as we get ready to get into it. Just a reminder, you can text your questions in if you have a question connected to today's message or a question on another topic. We got questions in throughout this week. In fact, some of the questions we got in throughout this week we're we're using this morning. Um, But as you you get ready to, to hear from God, just a reminder on our three principles. When the Word of God speaks clearly, we're going to speak clearly. When the Word of God gives us a biblical principle, we're going to seek to apply the biblical principle. And I'll tell you today, it's going to be a whole lot of biblical principles. A lot of things uh, applying to today's message that way. And then lastly, if the word of God is silent, uh, I'm going to do my best to give you my opinion, hopefully a spirit-led opinion, hopefully an opinion that's worth something, but I'll let you know, hey, this is my opinion. This is where I stand on this question. So we're talking today about questions of conduct. Is this okay? Is that okay? Is this a sin? What do we do about this? How are we supposed to live? And so with all that said, let us dive in at the beginning. Question number one, is drinking alcohol okay? Every time I ask someone, they say, well, Jesus turned water into wine, so it's okay. But I feel like some people take that a little too far and allow themselves to drink way more than they should. The drinking question. This is a question that I think I've gotten every time I've ever done a series like this. Youth ministry, church ministry, this question always comes up. It's easy in youth ministry because you just say you're not old enough. No, it's sin. Uh, so, so we'll get that one out of the way. If you're under 21, it's sin. That's easy. Uh, what, do I, what happens if I go to Germany and you can drink at 16? Just don't do it. Um, what do I do when I'm an adult? Is drinking okay? Is it sinful? Um, let me say this off the top. The Bible does not forbid drinking. A lot of us were raised, in fact, I was raised that drinking is always sinful. Any alcohol is sin. Uh, do not touch it. Stay far away from it. It's the devil. Uh, you know, water boy's mama, right? Like, uh, that, that, that's, that's how I was raised when it comes to alcohol. Now, part of why I was raised that way is because my dad was an alcoholic for many years. God delivered him from alcoholism when he got saved at 33 years old. He'd been an alcoholic for about 16 years at that point. Deep, deep and alcoholism. Um, And so for our family, drinking kind of is the devil. Uh, Drinking is is very dangerous. It's brought a lot of destruction. It's brought a lot of death. It's brought a lot of pain. It's done some awful things. I have siblings who still struggle with the bottle. Um, And and so for us, it's a good thing that I was raised that way uh, for me. I truly believe. Uh, But let's be clear. The Bible does not forbid drinking. The Bible does, however, forbid drunkenness. Time and time and time again, this is not a, a, a maybe, this is not a question. The Bible 100% of the time says it's not okay to get drunk. Getting drunk is always wrong. Getting buzzed, I believe, is always wrong. Getting tipsy, I believe, is always wrong. Um, numerous times the Bible tells us drunkenness is a sin, and numerous times the New Testament calls us to be sober. I want to read you my favorite example of that call, 1 Peter 1.13 says this. It says, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober. Everybody say fully sober. sober. The minds that are alert and fully sober. Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So the Apostle Peter, Jesus, one of Jesus' right-hand men, he says, look, 
God has called us to sobriety. Why? So that we can be holy. Why? We've been called, we've been set apart. We, 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 that's what holiness means. We're not like everybody else. We're not like the world around us. We're not like the culture around us. We're called to be separate. We're called to be different. So what, is, what do we do with that when it comes to alcohol? Um, I don't think if you have a glass with wine with dinner that that's necessarily sinful. I don't think if you have a beer from time to time that that's necessarily sinful. Um, I think as in all things uh, that we do, there are times where it absolutely can be sinful. Let me give you some examples of when it can be sinful. I, I believe it's sinful if you, are, if you have a conviction, I shouldn't do this. God's put that conviction on you, maybe because of a family situation like that, my, like mine. May, maybe for a season, God says, hey, I don't want you to do this. Maybe for life, he says, hey, I don't want you to do this. We see in Scripture people who would take what's called a Nazarite vow, people who God had called to a special level, and, and in that vow, they would commit not to drink alcohol. Uh, and, and I believe some of us are called to similar things like that. For me, according to my ministry credentials, I have a commitment not to drink alcohol. Ministry credentials through the Assemblies of God, part of my commitment is I will not touch alcohol. That was an easy commitment for me to make. In fact, that was probably the easiest part of my commitment to the Assemblies of God. Because uh, I don't drink alcohol anyway. It's not a temptation for me. It's not something that, that, that I crave. It's not something that, I, that I'm accustomed to. So it was an easy thing to give up. Um, I, I think alcohol can be sinful if you're... Drinking is causing you to go into debt. Man, some people rack up these, these huge, huge bills for alcohol. This is expensive. I used to wait tables. You know what we wanted as, as people who waited tables? We wanted people who drunk. Because uh, you would rack up a bill, right? You, you, your bill would go so much higher if you ordered alcohol. It's amazing how much money some people spend on alcohol. I think we, we were called to be good stewards of what God has given us. I, I think it can be sinful if my indulgence causes somebody else to stumble. Uh, if by me drinking, somebody else sees me drinking and says, hey, it's okay, and they don't have the willpower, they don't have the strength to drink and not go to drunkenness, uh, th- then it's sinful in that situation. So I think there are sins, absolutely situations where drinking is sinful. I don't think that just having some alcohol is sin. Uh, but I will say this. One of the big dangers of alcohol, of course, is addiction. Uh, if you have an addictive personality, I wouldn't drink at all. Uh, If you have alcoholism in your family, if that's a spiritual stronghold in your family, I would stay very, very far away from it. Now, I know a lot of people who don't fall into those categories, who can partake uh, of a glass once or twice a week with dinner, and and they're fine. They're responsible. They, They don't allow it to go to a place it doesn't need to go. And in that situation, I don't have a problem with it. Uh, I think as long you you've got to know your convictions, you've got to know your weaknesses, you've got to know your tendencies. Uh, and so biblically, I believe we do have that release, uh, but I also think we got to be really, really careful with it. Because just because you're in control of it today doesn't mean you'll always be in control of it. Uh, and, and if you see yourself starting to lose control, I would just get rid of it cold turkey. Um, I, I don't think it brings a huge amount of benefit to our lives to, to compensate for the risk. And, and the pain that it can cause. So that's where I'm at when it comes to alcohol. Biblical principle or biblical clarity is do not get drunk. Uh, Bible calls us to sobriety, so that's where we need to be. Don't get drunk. Don't get addicted. Uh, stay there. Question two. Besides being terrible for your health, is smoking cigarettes or dipping okay for a Christian? I've always been told in church that your body is a temple and to treat it as such. This is a question that I don't believe I have gotten before. 
Uh, not in one of these series, at least. We have talked about it uh, with some people. 1 Corinthians 6.19, referred to in the question, says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So the spiritual call is for us to honor God with our bodies. Uh, now, this is actually in the context of sexual immorality. Uh, this is what, what Paul's talking about. So the biblical principle is we're called to honor God in our bodies, and I think it applies as well to what goes in our bodies. First um, Corinthians 6.12, before, just a little bit earlier in the same passage, Paul says this. He's quoting the Corinthians that say, hey, I have the right to do anything, you say. He says, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. So, so I think the principle here is, number one, is it beneficial? Just because I can do it, hey, I'm saved. God has paid the price for my sins. I can do what I want is what they're saying. He says, okay, is it, is it beneficial? Is it benefiting you? Uh, then he goes on to say, is it mastering you? Um, I don't think that you're going to hell for smoking cigarettes or for dipping. You know, the, the old preacher joke is, Cigarettes won't send you to hell. It'll just make you smell like you've been there, right? Uh, so so I, I don't think you, you're going to miss out on Jesus because you smoke. I do think one thing, because a lot of times it'll come up, okay, what about caffeine? What, what about fried foods, right? Like the, all these things are, are not beneficial for us. They're, they're harmful to our bodies. And I, and I think you're right, right? Obviously, I haven't got that area of my life mastered. Obviously, I have some work to do when it comes to what goes into my body. So I, I don't stand up here as somebody who's got this all figured out, preaching down to everybody who, who doesn't. Um, I would say this. One thing that I think sets tobacco cigarettes a little bit apart, and my grandfather died when I was 18 months old from oral cancer. I, ha- I have a grandfather I have no memories of uh, because he dipped for years and years and years and years and years. Uh, I look forward to meeting him in heaven. He actually got saved on his deathbed. Uh, and, and so I look forward to the day where I get to meet David Souden, my grandfather, and, and get to have that experience, even though I haven't met him, but I have no memories of it. Uh, so I know that it obviously can be very destructive. Now, there's a lot of things that can be very destructive that aren't necessarily sinful. And I don't think smoking, dipping, fall into the category of sinfulness. But here's what I think does set it apart from some of the, the food stuff. Um, number one, we have to eat and we have to drink. Uh, we don't have to consume tobacco. Uh, number two, I don't know anybody who partakes of tobacco occasionally. I don't know anybody who smokes occasionally. They may exist. I'm not saying they don't. But everybody I know who smokes, smokes all the time. Everybody I know that dips, dips all the time the time. And Paul says, I will not be put mastered by anything. And, and I think the big danger with smoking, and I would say vaping is in the same category, is it masters us. Everybody that I know that smokes is addicted across the board. It is a powerful, powerful addiction. Now, there, I'm not saying there's nobody out there who has a cigar once a month or who smokes a pipe Uh, a couple of times a month or whatever. And in those situations, I don't necessarily think that's wrong. Uh, But when it comes to cigarettes, when it comes to vaping, when it comes to dip, everybody I know who does it, once they start, they do it forever. Um, In fact, I met a guy at Kroger this week. I was picking up some stuff for Fall Festival, and uh, I I had to get uh, a propane tank. And so the guy walked out with me for a propane tank, and he started, struck up a conversation, 65 years old. I said, how you doing, man? And he said, well... I'm doing all right. He said, actually, I had to go to the doctor yesterday. 
He said, I'm in pretty good shape, but I've had some heart issues. And I didn't expect the guy to just start pouring out his heart, right? Like, I'm just expecting, hey, I'm good, whatever, like that conversation. But he starts sharing all this stuff. He says, I've, I've been smoking since I was 10 years old. Since I was 10 years old. 55 years of addiction. 55 years of bondage. And he says, my, my, my doctor's worried about my heart. He told me I have to quit smoking. And he said, I don't know if I can do it. I've never quit. 55 years. And it just broke my heart for this old man, this sweet old dude, man. He was generous. He was kind. I don't think that, that this means that he doesn't know Jesus. I don't think this means that he's going to hell. But his bondage in his life. And it broke my heart. And so my warning for anybody who doesn't smoke, who doesn't do tobacco, as I would say, just stay away from it because, man, that stuff has an addictive power that is highly dangerous. Uh, One of of the things that that I try to do because I have an addictive personality is that when I recognize addictions in my life, man, I want to break them. So one addiction for me is caffeine. I get easily addicted to caffeine. Uh, So so a few times a year, I will abstain from caffeine for a few weeks. Uh, and I hate it, and I get headaches, and I feel miserable, and I'm not fun to be around, and I'm not a good husband, and I'm not a good dad, right? Uh, but, but I'm not going to be mastered by that thing. I'm not going to let that thing hold me on a daily basis for life. I'm going to keep on breaking it, keep on breaking it. Um, every year at the beginning of the year, my wife and I, we do a Daniel fast, and that Daniel fast will break some addictions, man. It'll break some addiction. Sugar, sugar's a powerful addiction, man. When you have to go and you can't partake of sugar, and it'll drive you crazy. It'll make you angry, hangry, right? Like, you, you may not be fun to be around, but, I, but I'm intentional. I'm not going to be mastered by anything. I'm not letting anything carry me. I'm not letting anything hold on to me. And if that means i got to break it and I'm going to be miserable for a little while, I'm going to break it. And so I'm not saying that as, hey, I'm a better person than you. I'm saying that as, hey, I'm highly, easily addicted to stuff. And because of that, I have to fight it aggressively. And so my challenge to you would be if you smoke, if you dip, if you vape, if you whatever insert tobacco thing here is go three months without it. If you can go three months without it, and at the end of that three months you say, okay, I can pick it back up and do it once every couple of weeks, think about it, pray about it really hard, make sure you're hearing from God. Uh, but if you can, if you can have it under control, I don't think it's sinful. But man, if you realize this is a stronghold in my life, this is something that's destroying my body. It's something that's destroying me financially. This is something, if I can't have it, I'm not any good to be around. Then I believe God wants you to be free. I believe Jesus came to set us free. It is for freedom that he set us free. We're just saying, he is alive and I am free. He is alive and I've found my peace. We have found our peace. I believe Jesus came so we could be free. And if you're in bondage today, that doesn't mean... God doesn't love you. doesn't mean city church is not the place for you. We don't accept you. We tell you it all the time. You're free to struggle here. we got all kinds of junk in this place, man. We're not looking for perfect people. We're looking for people who want to aspire to God's call for holiness. We're looking for people who want to be free. Now, if that means in the midst of that pursuit of freedom, there's going to be some struggle. There's going to be some difficulty. There's going to be some, some challenge. It's okay. We'll embrace you, and we'll wrap our arms around you, and we'll pray with you through it, and we'll fight together through it. But man, I want you to fight for your freedom. Jesus Christ died for your freedom. Don't settle for less than what Jesus died for. So that's my thoughts when it comes to tobacco, etc. Question three and question four are similar. Question three is this. I was raised that gambling is wrong. 
Our church petitioned against the casinos. Is gambling wrong? I don't know exactly how this idea that gambling is a sin became a bedrock of Christianity, but the Bible does not forbid gambling. The Bible does not say that gambling is a sin. The Bible does not forbid us. I've read the whole thing more than once. It's not in there. I can, I can tell you with confidence the Bible does not forbid gambling. On the other hand, the Bible does make it clear that the love of money is a dangerous thing. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 says very famously that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Uh, Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. So there's some dangers that come with gambling. Uh, one of the dangers with gambling is simple irresponsibility. I have a really good friend whose dad had a massive gambling issue for years. Would always go down to the casinos and he would go gamble with the rent money. And their family suffered greatly because they couldn't make payments. They couldn't do the things that they needed to do because dad couldn't stop gambling. It's very irresponsible. I believe we should never, ever gamble with money when we don't have our bills paid. Uh, never, never take that chance. We're, we're never going to go to the casino to pay off the bills, right? Well, that means let's go find another job if we need to. Let's find another source of income if we're short. But, but don't go gamble and hope that well, God... Bless these dice. God, bless, bless this pull. Uh, that, that, that's not a good place to be. Um, I think another danger, of course, is greed. We already spoke to the love of money. And, man, there, there, there's something. You get that taste of winning. And, man, I got to keep going back. I got to keep going back. That's why they let you win sometimes. They know what they're doing. They got to give you that taste that, that, that man, oh, look, look what happened. Look who walked out of here with so much. That's why they make a big deal when somebody hits a jackpot, right? Because they, they want to, to stoke that love of money. They, they want to encourage us, man, I want to be that next one. I want to be that person. Most of those people who win big end up giving it all back and more uh, as they keep tra- chasing the next big victory. Um, another danger, of course, is addiction. Gambling is, is, is very addictive because you get that taste of winning and you start chasing it. And, and, and people get addicted and they get to a place. So I'm going to be super transparent and honest with you today. I like to play poker. Um, I've, I've liked to play poker since I was in my early 20s. Uh, I, I like Texas Hold'em, no limit poker. Um, I will, on a very rare occasion, gamble a little bit of money. And, and here's where my convictions fall. Here's where I believe it's okay and where it's not okay. So for me, number one, I've never once gambled with something where I had to pay a bill. If, if my bills weren't paid, I didn't gamble. For, for me, number two, um, I see it as, as a form of entertainment. If, if I can go spend 20 bucks with the guys, not any different than going to the movies, going out to dinner. Um, so I, I'm, I'm going to keep it to a very reasonable, manageable level uh, where, where I know I'm not going uh, and blowing a large amount of money. Um, I have on occasion, I think maybe three times since I've lived here, gone to a casino, uh, and, and I've limited, my limit is 40 bucks when I go to the casino. I'm not spending more than 40 bucks. That's it. I know going in, this is how much I have. I'm not going to the, debit, the ATM. I'm not going to my credit card. Like, this is it. Go as long as I can. I've never walked out of a casino with anything out of my $40. Uh, so uh, I've always walked out at zero. Um, I won't let myself play poker at a casino because I know poker is something I really enjoy. Poker is something that I really get into. And for me, I know the danger is if I went to the poker table, I might go over 40 bucks. I got, man, I was so close. I can beat this guy. I just got the wrong cards. Like, I know my weakness. I know how my brain thinks. So I will not let myself do the thing that I enjoy most at the casino. I'm going to go play 
roulette or, or slots or, or, or something that I have no real skill to, right? It's like, okay, it's just the luck of the draw. Uh, so that's all that I'm going to do. Um, I don't go gamble with somebody that I know has a tendency to gamble, a, a proclivity to that, has a bondage for that. Um, so that's where I fall on gambling. I don't think it's wrong. I don't think it's sinful. I think it very easily can be. And it's something you've really got to keep a control on. It's something you've got to be really careful with. Uh, because if you're not, it, it'll destroy lives. It'll destroy them very strongly. So, so please, don't hear, PT plays poker, I can gamble. Like, if that's your, your takeaway from today, you didn't hear my heart. Uh, my, my heart is, no, I don't believe gambling is sinful in and of itself, but it can very, very easily get there. And you've got to see, hey, now, now let me say this too. I don't have a gambling stronghold in my family. I've got an alcohol stronghold. I don't play with alcohol at all because I know there's a stronghold there because I know that we're, we're wired that way. We, I, I think none of my brothers are any good at cards. Uh, <laughs> like, there, there's no, and man, thankfully they're smart enough not to be good at cards and not keep playing them anyway. Uh, <laughs> but that's not something that's an issue for us. Uh, and so I don't see that weakness in my family and, and I've been able to keep it under control. Now, if it ever got out of control, um, I would do something different. I actually used to have a poker table. We sold it. We got rid of it. I don't play hardly ever anymore, really more for time's sake than anything else. I've got more important things to do with my time, and poker can be very time-consuming. Uh, but it is something that maybe every six months or so I'll get together with a couple of buddies, and we'll throw 10 bucks down and, and have a good time. Uh, so there's my answer on that. I eagerly await my resignation letter. Just kidding. Uh, question four. I'm going to be real with you guys. That's just who I am. I'm not going to fake it, all right? Question four. As Christians, I know we aren't supposed to gamble, but if someone plays the lottery and wins, are they supposed to give 10% as tithes? <laughs> the answer, of course, is no. God does not want your evil, sinful money. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> You show better tithe off of that. Uh, we see all sorts of stories about people winning the lottery and going broke. Um, and I believe there's a lot of reasons for that. One of them is, I think a lot of people win the, the lottery and they don't let God in to their winnings. So if by some chance, now I've never played the lottery, and I don't imagine I'm probably ever going to play the lottery, so my chances of winning the lottery are even worse than yours. Um, if in some crazy situation I did somehow win the lottery, somebody bought me a ticket as a gift, or I don't know, somehow I won the lottery, um, the first thing I would want to do is bring God into those winnings. The first thing I would want to do is bring God's blessing and bring God's favor and bring God's wisdom into that because I believe to whom much is given, much is required. There's a great level of responsibility when you are given a lot, and I know I can be dumb. And I can make bad decisions. And so the first thing I would want to do, apart from biblical principle of first fruits, apart from, from the requirements of high, the first thing I would want to do if I did hit a massive jackpot like that, I mean, somehow one day I win the World Series of Poker, right? Like the first thing I would want to do in the pastor wins World Series of Poker. You can see those headlines today, um, right? But, but the first thing I would want to do if I did somehow win some massive something is bring God's blessing into it is bring God's favor into it, is bring God's protection over it. Uh, Deuteronomy 8.18 says, Remember the Lord your God, for it's he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Anytime we have increase, the first thing to do 
is to remember the Lord your God. Is remember, God, I didn't get this on my own. I got this because of your blessing, because of your favor, because of the gifts you've placed inside of me, because of the ability you've given me to go out and do this. Tithing brings God into your situation. Now, let's be real. Nobody in here is ever going to win the lottery. Uh, like, I, I, I would love to be wrong on that, but I'll, I'm going to place my bet pretty strongly on the side that none of us in here are ever going to win the lottery. But maybe you could win something smaller. Um, I think one time when I was in California on a job interview, uh, I, I got into a, a poker game with some guys there. $20 buy-in, which is the most I ever paid to buy into a poker game. I won 120 bucks. Uh, First thing I did off that 120 bucks, I tithed my 12. It's back when I tithed 10%. Uh, we, 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 we tithe more than that now. Uh, but I tithed my $12. I think if you win something, whatever that increase is, man, you go and you buy you know, a scratch lottery ticket and you win 20 bucks, man, remember the Lord your God. Always put him first in those things. Always bring him into it. Uh, for us, we tithe off any increase. That means obviously our income, but it means birthday money. It means side jobs, if I do a wedding uh, or, or, or whatever. Man, we're, we're always going to tithe off of that. Um, we believe that you pay tithes, that that first 10% is, is owed to God, that he requires it, and that you give offerings, that offerings are above and beyond the tithe. So one thing that we don't tithe on, in fact, the only thing that I can think of that we don't tithe on is our tax return. Tax return is exactly that. Uh, it, it's a refund of money that you overpaid the government. Uh, and for us, we tithe off of our gross, which I believe is the biblical model that we give him the first fruits before the government, before anybody else. Uh, and so because we tithe off of our gross, when we get a tax return, we don't tithe off of that because it's already money that's been tithed on. Uh, what we will do is we'll give an offering off of it. Uh, we'll, we'll find uh, so, some amount that we're going to set aside and, and give back to God. Um, but that's one thing that we don't tithe on. One other thing we don't tithe on, we don't tithe off of like gift cards. Like, uh, yesterday we ate at Chili's, somebody gave us a 25. We're not like, okay, we got to give out $2.50 off our Chili's gift card. We treat it the same as, like, somebody taking us out to dinner, which if somebody took us out to dinner, we're not going to tithe off that. So we're not trying to be legalistic about this, right? We're, we're not trying to make this, like, this big religious thing. We're saying, man, anytime that, that we're blessed with finance, every time that we're given something financially, we're going to honor God with it. We're going to set it aside. We're, we're, we're going to prioritize him in our finances each and every time. So that's how we approach it. That's my recommendation for everybody. I think when you do that, you're going to find out God's pretty awesome. He's pretty faithful. He's pretty true to his word, and he's not going to let you down. Um, last question today, and the most difficult one by far. Should I watch shows or entertainment that don't reflect the values of the Bible? Can I watch shows that feature infidelity, inappropriate sexual encounters, homosexual relationships? This is everywhere. Do I avoid it? How do I avoid it? So let's talk about not just TV. Let's talk about movies, Netflix, Hulu, like insert entertainment here. In fact, I believe this will apply even beyond television. This will go to any kind of entertainment, sports, internet, video games, any of that kind of stuff that, that we do to entertain ourselves. Uh, first of all, I don't think entertainment is inherently evil. I, I think that God has given us a great world, and he wants us to enjoy it. Uh, and so I believe there is a time and a place for entertainment. There is a time and a place. I don't think that every single moment we're supposed to be just singing songs of worship or just in prayer, right? Like, I think those things are important. But I believe it's okay to, to, to be entertained at times. So here's some questions to ask yourself when it comes to your entertainment. 
does this entertainment cause me to lust? Not just sexually, although sexually is obviously a huge thing. I, I was probably, I don't know, 13, 14 years old when I first encountered nudity and squiggly television channels when I was a kid. I don't think squiggly channels exist anymore with digital TV, but I was a thing. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Um, does it cause me to lust? Does it cause me? Lust is simply wanting more, wanting to see more, wanting to experience more, wanting to have more. Um, I think that same question can, can be applied maybe on, on the other end of, does it, does it, oh, why can't I meet a man like that? Why can't, why does he never talk to me, right? Like, like I think the romantic comedies, those types of things where they set up this ideal, I'm, I'm, uh-oh, uh-oh. Why won't my husband do that, right? Why, why doesn't my wife act like that? We'll put it on the other side. Um, I, th- I think if those things cause in us dissatisfaction with God has, what God has blessed us with, that's a dangerous place. Uh, that's a place we don't need to go, that, that, that we need to be grateful for what God has given us. And none of us have a perfect marriage. None of us have a perfect relationship. All of us can find things that don't measure up. And if all we're doing is highlighting the things that aren't what we want them to be, I think that's pretty unhealthy. Uh, so I would recommend steering clear from that. So does it cause me to lust for, for something more physically, for something more relationally? If that's the answer to that is yes, then I would stay away from it. Next question, does it cause me to glorify sin? Are you finding yourself celebrating sinful actions, things that you know these aren't okay? Um, are you finding yourself rooting for somebody as they commit sinful actions? Uh, that hope, I hope they get away with this. I hope this pays off for them. I hope this works off. Uh, then it's probably not real good. Uh, this is my greatest struggle in the area of entertainment because I love stupid comedy movies. Uh, and stupid comedy movies are generally full of stupid people doing stupid things, and a lot of that uh, is very sinful. Uh, and so I have to be really careful. Uh, we, we've had to, my wife has been really good at helping me readjust uh, my, my calibration on what is acceptable and what is not. Uh, and, and I don't watch all the stuff that I used to, and I'm grateful for that. Um, another question is, how biblically grounded am I in the truth? Are you confident in what you believe? Do you know what you believe? Uh, to the point where being exposed to something that runs contrary to it is not going to affect you? If you watch something and you're like, you know what? I know the Bible says this, but man, that really makes sense. That, that's a pretty good indicator that that's not a healthy thing for you, uh, that, that, that you need to steer clear from that. The, the reality is we live in a sinful, fallen, broken world, and we're never going to completely be able to isolate ourselves from all of the sin that is in the world. I don't think we're called to completely isolate ourselves. The Bible says we're called to be in the world, but not of the world, right? Um, so, so there's going to be some sinful stuff that we're all exposed to. I don't think being exposed to sin is inherently sin. But if I'm feasting on that, okay, let's just go to the addiction level, right? Like, is it addicted? Like, is, am, I, am I binging Netflix? Am I watching 16 episodes in a row? I got to get more. I got to get more. I got to watch another one. That, that, that's probably not a great place to be either. Last question would be this. Am I giving it an unhealthy portion of my life? Does it dominate my thoughts? Does it dominate my time? Does this mean I'm I'm not giving time to God? I'm I'm not giving time to the things that matter? I'm not giving time to things of internal significance? Uh, if, if, If you're not, then we're settling for something that's far below God's best. 
If all we're doing is defaulting to television, defaulting to internet, defaulting to whatever form of entertainment, I mean, it could be novels, it could be books, right? It, it could be a lot of different things. But if we're defaulting to something that is, has insignificant eternal re- return and not investing in things that have significance eternally, then it's probably not the best uses of our time. Again, I don't think entertainment is wrong. I don't think being entertained or going to a ball game or you guys know I'm a big sports fan. Um, this is something that, that I have had to, I've stepped way beyond the line at times where I've given way too much of my time and attention to sports. Uh, and, and so sports I don't think are sinful, uh, but they're not eternal. I'm not going to stand before God and be grateful that I can tell you what Russell Wilson did his rookie season, right? Like that, that's not going to hold up in eternity. And so I, I constantly have to recalibrate and, and I miss this, but am I investing more over here or am I investing more in stuff that doesn't matter? And I think that's the biggest question of entertainment. Yes, I think some entertainment is inherently sinful. I think it's blatantly glorifying sin. I think it's blatantly grotesque and wrong. And, and ultimately, if we know that Jesus wouldn't watch this, and the Holy Spirit's living in us, and we're causing him to partake in something that he would not partake in of his own, then, then it's probably, not probably, then it's not good. It's something that, 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 that we need to step away from. Um, how do we do it? That's where I don't know the perfect answer. That's where I'm still in process. Uh, I wish I had a great, do these three things, and it'll be simple. Uh, The reality, again, is we live in a broken world with a lot of junk and a lot of sin and and, and a lot around us. I I think one of the important things is to be constantly focusing on spiritual things, looking for those spiritual opportunities, looking for those things that we can do, that we can invest ourselves into, that we know have eternal significance. Uh, as far as the entertainment that you choose, I would say you're never going to be able to find entertainment that's a, 100% pure. Even Christian entertainment is not always going to be 100% pure. Uh, but lean as far that way as you can. Uh, don't, don't be afraid to say, look, we're not going to watch this. Man, that, that show is just not good for me, man. If, if it's got nudity in it, I'll just, I'll just say it. I know a lot of people probably even in our church like Game of Thrones. I can't watch it. it it's just it's too far. Uh, it's a great storyline. I, 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 love, I love like Lord of the Rings movies. I love the Chronicles of Narnia. Like that kind of stuff is fun to me. I enjoy that. But that's a line I'm not going to cross. Uh, and, and so I, I think we've lowered the bar too far in general in our culture. Uh, and, and we've let a lot of things in that we don't need to let in. Um, and so I'd lean on the Holy Spirit. I'd ask God, hey, should I partake of this? Uh, is, is this okay for me? Is this acceptable for me? And if you feel, and it's like, hey, I can't even ask that question because I know the answer, well, then don't watch it, right? But, but if, you're, if you are on the line, I'm like, I'm not sure if this is good, I'm not sure if this is bad, just ask God. He said, if any of you lack wisdom, let him come to me and ask, and I'll give it generously without finding fault. So he's not going to put you down because you crossed the line before. He's not going to kick you out of his family because you're asking a stupid question. Come to me and ask, and I'll, I'll give you generous wisdom without finding fault. I love that verse. It's James 1.5. Not in your notes. Not in my notes, but, but I felt God impressed upon me to share it. Um, man, ask him. I don't know the answer on every show, and I don't know that the answer is the same for everyone. I think based on our own weaknesses, based on our own challenges, based on our own season in life, if our children are around, if we have children in the home, I think that a lot of things may be different. Uh, but I think God has the answer. 
and he's going to lead us to the right thing if we'll ask him, if we'll bring him in to our entertainment decisions. Again, I don't have this one mastered. I'm, I'm, I'm in process here as well. Uh, but I believe that God has a best for us, and I want God's best for my life. I fall short of his best a lot, but I want his best. And I believe if you're truly a believer, I believe if you're truly part of the family of God, there's something in you that desires God's best. So let's chase God's best together. Let's give each other grace. Let's give each other room to, to miss it and, and to make mistakes. But let's chase his best. Amen, church? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for who you are and for what you're doing. God, I thank you for your goodness and your grace. God, I thank you that you are speaking through your Holy Spirit, through your word, to your people today. So God, as we have some big questions about acceptability, um, God, I pray that, that you would make it really clear to us. If there's something in us that needs to go, God, help us to get rid of it. Lord, let us value nothing above your best for us. Lord, if there, let, let us have no attachment to something that goes into our body, to some habit, some activity, some gambling, some form of entertainment. Lord, let none of those things have a greater hold on us than your Holy Spirit, than your call on our lives. Lord, Lord give us the strength to set aside things that aren't your best. God, to set aside things that easily entangle us and to run with endurance the race you set before us. God, you're a good God. You're a God of freedom. It is for freedom that you've set us free. So God, let us walk in your freedom. Let us live in your freedom. Let us not take up anything that's gonna put us in chains, that's gonna put us in bondage. Help us to be free, God. Help us to break free of what we need to today. God, we thank you for your conviction. We thank you for your gentleness with us, God, that that, that you don't kick us aside because we miss it, but you continue to call us back to Jesus. You continue to call us back to your best. So call us back today, God. Help us to walk this out in Jesus' name. Amen.